Okay, and we are live for the 11th episode of Absolute AppSec, joined by, uh, of course, co-host Seth Law. Hey, everybody. Welcome once again. And our esteemed guest, once again, uh, Stefan uh, Edwards, say hi. Mate. Yeah. And David Corsi. Hello. Uh, <laughs> the, for those that don't know, Stefan and uh, David, they are both consultants at Invisium. They are at their background is in application security, program programming language theory, uh, Go. We've talked about this before. Um, we've had them on before if you would like to uh, know more about their background. But um, welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us again. Well, we're going to, we actually had to go live because we started, we started uh, talking about some stuff that we'll get, I think, I think first we'll, we'll take a step back from it. And uh, I want to, I wanted to hear a little recap of how <clears throat> Hack West went uh, last week, Seth. Yeah, we were off last week, mainly because I couldn't do too many things or I can't do all the things all the time. Right. Um, I was helping organize Hack West uh, with Sean Jackson and, couple of the other guys that are out here in Salt Lake City. Um, it was it was a good time, right? It's more of a you know, security, a broader security focused conference, but we had a lot of good content. Um, a couple of the things that were really interesting uh, were the, they do the pros versus Joe's contest. If you've ever dealt with those before, it's like a kind of a live hacking exercise, right? They put together a couple, you know, two or three teams of defenders hand them a network and say, hey, guess what? You got to keep this up. And there's one team of pros, right? Red teamers that are trying to hack them the entire time to capture the flag contest that runs for two days. That's a pretty interesting like way to, hey, uh, to evaluate a network, to evaluate applications, and then really like dig into the blue team side of things if you've never done that before, right? So that was one thing that was fairly positive. We also had voting machines. Um, so we had the local news that actually came in and featured, you know, a couple of the guys that were at the conference ripping apart the voting machines and taking a look at them and the flaws that existed. Um, these were Diebold machines, specifically the ones that they use in Utah. Um, they weren't Facebook machines. They were not Facebook machines. Bum No, <laughs> not not yet. The, the, I think those are the ones they're upgrading to, right? <laughs> But, but those are, I mean, those are super interesting, right? One of the things that, that we found, there, there's like an access door on the back of it where you can hook in like the phone and an extra uh, memory module and things like that that has a tubular lock on it. But the tubular lock actually doesn't have anything to hook into, right? So there's a key on it, but you can, you can reach back behind it and just pop the whole door off of, of it. At which point you invalidate all the votes, right? Because it's been tampered with. There's like a tamper sticker on it, but there's the lock doesn't actually stop you from pulling the door off. Um, that was kind of a fun one, but there was all sorts of things that we were doing. You could actually pop the the uh, the cat card reader out of it pretty easily as well, and get it to reset itself into system configuration mode. Um, just all sorts of. They're just so poorly designed, right, is realistically what it comes down to. And that's not even touching the software side of things. This is all just hardware. We're, we're looking at, you know, physical access to device. What could you do in, you know, two minutes if you had access to it and no one was paying attention to what you were doing? 
Apparently a lot. I mean, yeah, yeah. It was a lot more than we expected. Initially, we we're like, oh, well, it'll only reset to system configuration if you, you know, you unscrew the whole thing. And then you're like, oh no, but you can just pinch this little thing off the edge of it and you can rip out the whole card reader and it takes all, you know, five seconds to do. Yeah. I, I, how much money do you think they put into the software security aspect of that? And I'm like, <laughs> just. Well, there's probably a whole validation process, right? It goes through oh. validation certification, right? Oh, there is. See, I've got some of the cards like the, the, the I bought these off eBay, eBay, of course, right? So supervisor cards, voter access cards. There's, there's a couple of them that came in my, in my set that are, I can't, I don't know if I've got any sitting right here. Oh yeah. And a central administrator card. I mean, you've got to program these, but basically that's all they are is they're, you know, they're signed, uh, They've got certificates on them, right? That basically tell you what you can do once you plug them into the machine. Um, at the voter card, all it will do is load up the basic, you know, hey, you're voting in this district or whatever it is. And actually, but it's it's all signed. The, the interesting thing was though, once you got in that system configuration mode with one of the security cards, you can actually replace the certificate that's on there, right? So if you wanted to really mess with things and just blow, you know, blow that system away, you could do it. And Ken, realistically, this is the United States government. <laughs> loads of money went into this. Oh, and that's the, that's the crazy thing, right? We went, we we bought these off of some guy that you know got them off of an insurance company, insurance company, or I don't know, something like that. Um, but I think we company, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but well, it was, I, yeah. What? No, it's. What a mess. <laughs> it is. That's basically what it boils down to. It's just a huge mess, right? And it's always like, well, at least we have the paper printout, right? Yeah. But again, the paper printout is right there in that machine. So if you can access it, there's potentially things that you could do to it, right? Um, but I mean, that that was cool. Um, you know, talk-wise, we had some interesting ones like uh, Don Marie Hutchinson from Optiv came in who works at like, on a kind of at a higher level, like for Optiv, um, advising CISOs on breaches, right? Like, hey, guess what? They walk in the door after somebody's been breached and how they should be going about that. Because um, our, like, from a technical perspective, our our initial reaction is, oh, we got to dive in and figure out what's going on. But from a legal and marketing perspective, it's like the absolute worst thing that you can do, right? the second that you start telling people numbers and everything like that, you can be held liable. If you're, uh, you know, if you're assigning blame, I, I mean, that was a pretty interesting, you know, discussion as far as what we do in, in case of a breach, right. You know, the first people that should be notified notified are technically the lawyers and they're going to tell you what to do because everybody else is just going to screw stuff up is realistically what it is. Were these talks recorded? No, these ones weren't, right? Yeah. I, I mean, realistically, this year being the first year of HackWest, it, it came down to a cost perspective. Right? Yeah, uh, that's a lot of gear. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like, that was, you know, if we had had another 5K or something like that, we could probably have swung it. But it, it, it was sadly the, the one that dropped off. But we will have all the slides posted. We'll put some links up there um, as soon as I, uh, Sean was posting them today. So I'll throw them up in the we'll throw them up in the description on the different talks that were there. Um, we had a couple of people give an interesting, uh, you know, just kind of walk through of beef and different ways that you can use the browser exploitation framework. That was cool as well. Um, 
So I like there was a, you know, it was pretty high quality content. I mean, I always did kind of the hands-on portion of things like the pros versus Joe's like digging into different villages. Um, yeah. Different workshops. So next year, if anybody wants to come out and do workshops, let me know. Um, or if you just want to come hang out, we can go, you know, we actually have a whiskey bar at being, you know, national whiskey day and all we can go find some here in Utah. Surprisingly enough, you know, but only in Salt Lake City, right? You know. So I, I was a red team member on one of those pros versus Joe's things. Oh uh, yeah, for three years, and it was really cool. This one was a little bit different. So it was like the CCDCs, except it was local to Charleston. Uh, okay. Called PCDC. <laughs> but theirs was a little bit different because they had the high school and college kids, but day three was pros, and so we were so close to the. You know, we worked closely with the military base there. Um, so we had a lot of the larger cyber agencies come to compete. Um, they do not like it. They when, do not like it? <laughs> they do not like it when they don't do well. So as the red team member, I was having a blast. But some of them got extremely upset. That's not surprising, right? They're supposed to be top of their field and all of that. and. They're looked at as the defensive yeah. gurus that they're, yeah. Hey, I mean, that's just it. It just shows how hard defense actually is. Yeah. Somebody with enough time and expertise, it's all over, right? Um, I mean, they, they did their typical kind of, you know, uh, hacker puzzles or CTF as well. Um, yeah, but the, you know, the pros versus Joe's ones are definitely a fun way to go. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, other questions about HackWest, Ken? But outside yeah. of the fact you didn't come out for it. So. Yeah, <laughs> flying. I'm doing enough of that anyways in the coming months. Yes, yes. You're not in an asylum, so I would assume there's going to be one next year. Yes. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, give me another, you know, two weeks to, <laughs> to, recover. to recover, and then we'll yeah. start talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah you, you did you definitely have that hey sweet we pulled it off i don't want to see anybody else on the committee for at least a couple of weeks right <laughs> yeah i, I mean I, i'm sure justin's gonna hear this so maybe justin and you know but and chris <laughs> but maybe maybe right <laughs> but you know it, it, it's always fun it, it's always kind of cool to give back to the community and all that but it's it, it's a lot of work right you know, everybody doesn't realize the amount of time that goes into, you know, making sure everything comes off and running a, a, a successful, like, even just like a call for proposals, CFPs, and then all the volunteers and speakers and organization and venue. And yeah, the list just goes on and on, right? Yeah. Sounds but, like a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fine, right? <laughs> It's overnight now, so I can sleep at night again. So. Yeah, I've I've heard the worst is when you get down and you're a few weeks from like doing a, a conference and you're because what I've heard is that the, in, within like four weeks of a conference is when the majority of your remaining sales typically happen. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. So that it's a up until like a <clears throat> four weeks before a conference, you're basically just like holy shit, is this going to work? You know, you don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, you're totally in the red, right? I mean, 
<laughs> attendees, you're like, wow, I don't know if we're going to meet our attendee like minimums that we wanted to do. So you're holding off on purchases. And, I mean, we, we don't need to go into all the specifics, but yeah, you're right. You know, most people have a tendency to book like within a month, right? Four weeks before and you see this spike in registrations. You're like, oh, I guess maybe we'll actually make it, right? You know, but. Let's, let's keep talking about how hard it is and see if we can make Seth get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, slow down, slow down. <laughs> Now I got I got Justin texting me now, giving me crap. So that, that's all good. So I'm gonna trigger you. Usually it's like uh, somebody's texting right now, trolling trolling us. I guess it's gonna be Justin tonight. Oh, Kevin says he's coming out for next year. Sweet, Ken. That's my game with you. Whenever you are on meetings, to try to get you to laugh or say something inappropriate <laughs> during a meeting, so. <laughs> and given my maturity level, it wasn't hard to to win that battle. No, nope. we were successful. Hey, uh, well. hey it's, after, it's after hours, so you know. Well, now whiskey now. So. Yeah, here's a little dirty secret for everyone out there. The, <clears throat> when there, when you've got when you've got consultants on a on a um, on a meeting, and it's a long meeting, and you're doing many of those meetings there's probably some shenanigans going on behind the scenes while you're for on sure. the meeting. So yeah. there's a dirty little secret for everybody out there. If for you didn't sure. know. If everybody that's, that's watching isn't a consultant and doesn't already know. Yeah, exactly. Isn't planning shenanigans right now or texting one of us. <laughs> this is where we live. So. Yeah. So, I mean, it, yeah, HackWest was good, right? Uh, like it was, it was successful, and you know, I'm sure you know Locomoco Sec is going to be awesome too. Um, sad that I'm not making it out to that one, but you know, oh yeah, I should mention. So yeah, I'm glad you're, you brought that up. So Justin Collins, I'm going to try and. Um, we don't know the time right now for next Tuesday is because like so Hawaii I think is six hours behind on Eastern standard time. It's going to be weird. It's going to be weird for time for timing it. Plus I'm going there with uh, GitHub security, the, the other folks on the team to do a, a company um, like summit team, team summit rather. Um, so like I'll be working. I, I don't know like if it's going to be at night or in the day on Tuesday or like, you know, get, get together with the team. So we did, we have no idea what basically what I'm saying is between the conference and team activities. And like, I have no idea what time we're going to um, do it. So we will find, uh, find that out as we get closer to it, but I'll be live with Justin in Hawaii. Seth will be joining us remotely. Um, sorry, Seth, you know, <laughs> come on. You can fund my trip out to Hawaii last minute, right? I'm sure, I'm sure Salt Lake in April is the same as Hawaii in April. You know, I'm sure that's totally the same. Uh, yeah, I had snow yesterday, so let's just... <laughs> now you're going to make me drink again. Yep. This is the goal. Make Seth drink. Come on, Seth. <laughs> Send it over. Come on. Peer pressure. Peer pressure. <laughs> so... I don't know. We're, we're Justin's awesome. He's the creator of Breakman, and uh, I'm wearing actually one of his shirts, not on purpose. I just I have like four shirts I rotate through. So Breakman Pro. Um, so yeah, he's really heavy on the dynamic analysis. Uh, he built a framework for that for Rails. So we're gonna pick his brain. Um, and he worked at Twitter and all kinds of good stuff. So yeah, should be good. I'm excited, and it's in Hawaii. Sorry, Seth. 
<laughs> Come on, <laughs> stop already. <laughs> you know, no, no, I'll drink next week during the yeah. <laughs> see, see how good a commentator I am when I'm yeah. Because you're gonna be you're gonna be in Spain soon, right? Yeah, I am. I, I'm going to Overdrive Conference again. It's actually in Girona, just north of Barcelona. Um, that's in April as well. So you know, we'll have some timings that'll be switched up. I, and at that one, I'm giving like a an uh, application security workshop, right? So uh, should be. I, I mean, it'll be fun. Like, can't complain too much. Well, are you guys traveling, Steph and David? You guys traveling at all? Uh, for clients or for for <laughs> for. Come on, where, where people can see you and talk to you. Um, no, <laughs> I refuse. I mean, my my conference targets this year are um, Hackloo, which is in Luxembourg. Um, I'd like to see if I can hit uh, Balkan uh, Computer Congress, uh, which is in Novi Sad uh, in Serbia. I'd like to try Troopers, which um, I know, Seth, you, you usually try to yeah. hit uh, Troopers. Yeah, I want to hit that one, too. That's on my list. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Maybe we can get JP to go. Um, it would be pretty interesting. Um, Hacklu is pretty interesting too. The Circle folks run it, um, or they're they're heavily involved in it. So it's it's interesting to to go um, meet up with those folks. Do do a little bit more of a European experience. Um, I'm going to try to submit to Tide, which is a type theory conference, and um, probably do Gurkhan for one like normal infosec plain vanilla conference in the US. So hey. I don't know. I travel for work. Why do I want to like go talk at, you know, one hundred other conferences as well, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get out there too. Last year was my first year in a long time where I got nothing but rejections. Um now you need to So I've got a few like I, I completely redid uh I may, I'm working on a couple new talks on some things that I'm kind of learning myself. Like I'm, I'm learning Kubernetes security and automation. So I'd kind of like to do a, a talk on that. Um, and maybe a, a DevOps style conference mm. that I've been working on uh, Frida quite a bit, which is a mobile hacking tool for lack of a better word. I'm like sorry, having Cody mention that, right? Yeah. No, Frida's awesome, right? Did you see that framework that, uh, what was the name of it? I know Kevin's listening, um, that uh, actually gives you like a mobile in, or like a UI interface into Frida. Yeah, it's um, it's like an IDB style interface, but atop mm -hmm. Frida now. Yep. Um, I have it on my other laptop. I could open it and look. Mm -hmm. um, there's a conference that I, I I wanted to submit to this year, but after so many rejections, I kind of got discouraged. So I'll, I'm going to hit it for next year. But um, it's DevConf, but it's in South Africa. Nice. So I'm going to try and hit that. I think that would be an amazing trip. So so come on, guys. The, the conferences that you're listing are all like, uh, you know, yeah. Eastern European, South Africa. I'm pretty sure our listeners don't extend to that reach quite yeah, yet, right? You know? B-Sides Augusta and B-Sides Charleston every year. Um, they're yeah. I'm probably going to, you know, I'm in a different area now, so I'm going to try and hit B-Sides um, Asheville. You know, the Southeast has a bunch of good B-Sides. I went to Gurkhan last year, and that was good, so I'll probably try and go again. Um, I go to Derby every year. 
that's fun. Yeah, see, I, I mean, Derby's one that I've actually never been to, right? You know, it's 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 always been on my list, but now it's getting to this, you know, the stature of crap. Am I actually going to be able to get tickets in time? Yeah, it, I mean, or I'm going to have to submit to speak. Last year it was nuts. Um, the only reason I got a ticket was because I begged on Twitter for weeks. Yeah. Um, and I imagine it'll be the same. Now they're moving to a bigger venue this year, so it probably will be easier to beg on Twitter for a ticket. Um, but I imagine the script people will still snatch them up immediately. Um, I got super drunk and gave a talk at DerbyCon. Yeah. How's that different from any of your other talks? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Let's explore this a little bit. <laughs> how's it different? Hmm. No high energy colliders nearby. <laughs> Yeah, that was a year ago. That was fun. No, uh, yeah, I don't normally drink actually when doing uh when speaking. Believe it or not, but because uh, like it's go figure. It's hard. Well, lesson learned after that one, and then also it's hard to to be functional for me, uh, even normally, let alone with alcohol. So, um, it was uh, yeah. I don't know. I just I got nervous, and so I drank a bunch of alcohol, and yeah, I was pretty wasted for that talk. So that was fun. No regrets. <laughs> no regrets. <laughs> no, I, I was going to say that, uh, you know, it sounds like we're, we're getting more and more of those in Hacker Tracker. It sounds like DerbyCon's going to be on the list in Hacker Tracker this year for a mobile app. So, Very which nice. is good. I mean, we've used it on four or five different conferences at this point outside of DEF CON. So. I saw that on Twitter, actually. Somebody asked you to, right? Like, and you said, yeah, yeah. just hit up. Sorry, my cat's going bananas again. Um, yeah, you, uh, <laughs> oh my God. Anyways, uh, I don't know what I was saying. Yeah, someone asked you. So to what's, what's it like to port it to a new conference? That's why I was about to ask. What is it's, it? It's too painful right now because <laughs> I have to like actually go in and, manually update the iOS version. The Android version, well, she still has to manually update it. Whitney does. Um, and I, like we're doing a redesign for DEF CON this year. Uh, and that's going to be one of the things that we add is like the ability to update the schedule remotely from you know pulling the schedule directly out of GitHub, basically. Um, so it should be easier. Uh, right now, I have to go in and update the dates and what where it's pointed to. I, you know, it doesn't take too long, but it is kind of a painful, you know, painful you, process. you know, what you should do, you can have this idea for free. You can okay. so that there's a, an API so that conference owners can get a login from you and update the schedule themselves. Yeah. And then when I open hacker tracker, I just select the conference that I want to look at. Yeah. No, that's the idea is that, you know, we're going to abstract it. So we've got a, a list of conferences um, and that's the other thing that DEF CON's been asking me to do is develop a like a front end like event manager where the different villages can log in and upload their events to us rather than us having to go track them down from them. So it's kind of it, it's all in it's all in play. It's just you know how much time do I actually have to do development versus time. versus my day job, right? Whereas you know playing with Hacker Tracker and iOS development is fun, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't necessarily pay the bills yet. Come on, who wants to sponsor here, right? You know, yeah. I'll sponsor you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> just with a bottle of whiskey, that'll work. So, yeah. 
You're a cheap date, Seth. Yeah, I, I know I am, right? You know, it's <laughs> the problem. So, besides Orlando as in Hacker Tracker, yep, that's the next one. Right? That's the one I've got to update for right now, Kevin, um, on the iOS side. Cool. But if anybody has like other conferences that they want support in there, Layer One's going to be in there as well. Um, let me know. Is a, you know we can definitely support it, and we've got it down kind of to a science on how to actually add these conferences to to the app. Even if you want to take a look at and see what's actually being talked about, if you're not going. Um, yeah. Joe Rosner has has talked to me about Layer One. I've never been to Layer One, but I know that there's quite a few folks who actually end up out there. It sounds like an interesting conference. Yeah, yeah. I was looking at some of the training there this year too. Um, it, layer one never really hit my radar because the West Coast takes it to a price level that, you know, it's just, it's a different, different stage. Um, so, but I saw some training there that looked pretty awesome that I was looking at. Yeah, I've got it. I'm pulling it up right now. Yeah, there's some interesting ones yeah. that they're doing. I'm right next to CarolinaCon now, too. Um, and I've always heard good things about them. I have a lot of friends that go there. So I'll definitely hit that this year. Um, and Circle City Con, I've always heard good things about. Tell me there's some good barbecue at Carolina Con. And guns. Yes. <laughs> Both. Perfect. Which brings us to our next topic. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. going to, uh, to sex trafficking and guns, but I, I was just saying that, that that con is known for, for barbecue and guns. But... No, it's a good segue into guns and sex trafficking, <laughs> which is one of our major topics for the today. <laughs> This evening, no. So, because when we joined, we said we've been so we've been talking about this before we actually started the, the live broadcast. Um, I guess to recap, um, Sesta Fosta uh, have been have they so they've passed. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong. They've passed, and uh, it's it's essentially a um, a way to prevent. Now, Se Stefan, you. Because if you read just what I'm looking at, it, it says it's it's all pointed towards sex trafficking. But the interesting thing was like what we were talking about is that Reddit, not only did they ban uh, portions of the site that, that we're talking about, like male male and female escorts and basically sexual services, uh, they talked about um, firearms as well, which I was like, well, how are those two related? And I don't see it in Foster or Sesta yet. Like in the actual... Uh, breakdown. I don't see anything about firearms yet, so I'm I'm a little confused and just catching up. But uh, that's where we left off. Yeah, I I think it's the trafficking aspect, right? Because Reddit, uh, Microsoft has has talked about this with Skype and other services that they're going to start uh, filtering or flagging on. <laughs> Corsi, I love your your uh, resting resting face there the entire time for some reason it focuses on you That's and you just, have, you just have a great rbf going that but uh <laughs> but it, it microsoft said they're going to start filtering for a lot of things and it it raises quite a number of questions as to how they're filtering things live in skype <laughs> how they're filtering things on on microsoft drive and and those sorts of services and things like that so it it's interesting to see how something as simple as we want to make sure that people who are being sex trafficked, uh, you know, 
can no longer be openly advertised on the internet, how this can have like wider impacts to to the way that you know websites such as Reddit or or services such as Skype actually operate. So, yeah, I mean the privacy implications are huge. Yeah, right. I, like how, I mean, where do you point people? Right. I, I mean, obviously you've got like the signal and the other apps, right? But from a privacy perspective. If you don't want Microsoft to know what you're talking about, you've got to you've got to implement yet another layer or push people towards one of those other services. So I see that it's been passed by both House and Senate, but I don't see that it's been signed yet. Now I have no reason to believe that it won't be. So yeah, I mean I'm seeing the same thing because that was my yeah same question like where is it at? But yeah, it says Senate, and so we're. That's that's not the hill that uh, this administration is going to choose to die on by vetoing. Yeah, it, it's oh, you, oh, you never know, right? But we, yeah. we don't want to get too political, so yeah, it's a feel good it's feel good legislation because it it makes people say that they're helping. Yeah. Now, politics aside, I don't think that any administration of any persuasion understands the technological aspects of what they're talking about. They probably have a couple of um, advisors that know a little bit, but historically speaking, all legislation coming out of the United States government is either 20 years behind or just absolutely wrong. And I don't see any um, evidence to make me believe anything else on this one. Lots of unintended consequences, and lots of upset people and probably very little positive impact. I'm trying to see if Reddit has like done anything to like publicly, publicly respond because there's some bashing of Reddit right now, basically, you know, calling them uh, sellouts, you know, bowing to the man, essentially. I'm trying to see if Reddit has a response for that. I'm, I'm not trying to bash them. I'm, I, that's what people are saying. That's not my opinion by any means. Uh, I don't know enough to have an opinion on that, but yeah, I'll just see if I can I'll see if I can find out before this is over if they have a response to all that. Yeah. They well, seem to be the first major site. The reason I say that is they seem to be the first major site that's like seemingly responding to this uh, potential um, change and then like preemptively. But like, yeah, yeah. I, and I would imagine that you'll see the other social media sites jump on it as well, right? I, I mean, Facebook's already got egg on their face from the whole, you know, leak of accidental leak of data, right? Hey, we gave too much data to a partner. Um, that partner was Palantir or, uh, <laughs> or, <laughs> at, you know, Cambridge Analytica? Because well, both of them have yeah, I know. Both have had it. Cambridge Analytica is the one that's in the news, right? That's the one that my, you know, my father-in-law is asking me about, right? Well, but Cambridge just pointed Palantir, actually. They actually just oh. said that Palantir has been helping. Like, they're very admiring of, of Palantir's technology, and they've both been working in the same space. And now Black Cube has been, been, been pulled in and everything, too. So it's been it's in, interesting to watch, but that's a, another topic. It's not a nefarious name, Black Cube. It's a... Um, Israeli British. Um, it's basically Stratfor, but X Israeli intelligence instead of X US intelligence. So, so it makes sense. Black yeah. Cube, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> no, so, sorry, I didn't mean to hijack there, but um, like I, I would imagine like Reddit's response will be followed by multiple others as far as what they're doing to censor and to watch for that. But you know, you know, to your point, Dave, the uh, you know the the legislature has always been behind, and like I don't realistically see a good way of keeping them up to date on things because they they present themselves as the experts. I mean, you know, hell, you've got Rudy Giuliani saying that he knows cybersecurity and advising the president, right? Like, how do we do better than that, realistically? Just don't say his name two more times because he'll appear. <laughs> As a New Yorker, I'm hey, done with that. <laughs> well, I did a quick search, and so there's the Reddit site. Um, Craigslist shut down personal ads. Yeah, I just posted Craigslist response. City Vibe and Erotica Review. Um, so there's a, a whole host of sites shutting down after this. I just want to say Erotica Review could be used for many services and. <laughs> there was definite directions there that it could be. I mean, honestly, like, it's hard. A lot of these things are going to impact people who are doing it like gray market sex sex work, right? Um, that were not trafficked. And it, they're, they're putting them at higher risk in order to catch some negligible amount of actually trafficked people, right? Sure. I mean, it's just going to push people who want to do it to use more encryption. Yeah. And, and with less legal recourse. Use Tor, use Signal. <laughs> Your boy, Serg. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That'll be the tagline for this episode. Use Tor, use Signal. Yeah. Oh, boy. I just, I just saw another thing slightly related um, from the back page personals where this guy was trying to get help because he solicited a, a woman on back page and um, – she demanded payment in Bitcoin up front. And so he made the transfer and went to the address. And oh my God, she wasn't there. <laughs> so he's trying to see if he can somehow get his money, but get his Bitcoin back. Got bad news. <laughs> if only there was some way to like escrow these sorts of services. <laughs> If we could just give money in some format that we could like hold in another location and wait <laughs> until said services are rendered, it would. I don't know. <laughs> That's crazy talk. God, it's almost as if fiat currency has has worked really well for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, what a mess we are. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is. It's just a huge mess, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't know how running one of those sites and how does this like filter down from there too? You know, I mean, these little sites, any comment board that has to now make sure that it's not violating FOSTA, like what, what does that actually do? Yeah. And well, how, do they, how do they monitor and enforce it? Yeah. Cause well, they're now liable, right? That's the whole yeah. idea. Is they're liable and they can be pulled into court. Well, and they, they removed the safe harbor provisions from, from previous bills, if I recall correctly. It'll so probably shake out as all after the fact enforcement. So if you get caught talking about shooting up a school on Facebook, then Facebook, if you go ahead and do it, then Facebook can be liable for that. Same thing with sex trafficking, arms trafficking, um, 
That's that's the way I would see it happening because they're not going to monitor all these sites. They just can't. Yeah, I mean, they can't, but that's just it. They're putting the onus on Facebook to monitor, right, and to yeah. censor. Um, well, yeah, it's, yeah. it's retroactively applied, though. Really? How far back, right? It, like, I, I mean, I haven't read up on it, so how far back is does it actually well, apply? Constitutionally, they can't, prior to being signed into a law by Trump, they can't punish anybody from that time before ex post facto ex post facto is that what it is yeah i don't know uh, all the crazy foreign language but i know <laughs> I not illegal, american <laughs> not illegal until trump signs it so get out there and do all your arms trafficking tonight well I, <laughs> that's I, the I, message that david corsi would like to yeah. put out to everybody lord of war well i i think the the retroactive portion is that um if I was going to sell, um, you know, shady Russian firearms to David, but the sale won't be completed until after it's signed. They can go back and be like, ha ha, we actually caught you because you, you participated in this during the entire process of this law being signed and things like that. I don't think they're going to comb over years worth of data to find who has been shade, uh, like selling shady Russian firearms. I think it's more along the lines of, you know, this gray area where it hasn't been signed, but it's going to be signed and everyone knows it, you know? Sure. Because the government is great at like filtering down and, and totally applying things evenly to, you know, yeah. everyone, right? This totally won't be misapplied to the poor or, you know, to, to minorities or anything like that, right? So. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, remember, it's not targeted at individuals, it's targeted at the businesses, so. Right if the people on those platforms are doing something that is now illegal, then the, the business gets the liability. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to think about how you would actually monitor for that from a, like at the scale of a Facebook or the scale of even like Uber or something along those lines, right? I, I, mean, uh, I mean, with Facebook, it's easy because they're already collecting every piece of yeah. <laughs> it's just one new query that they run. <laughs> hey, maybe Russia could just outsource some of that work, or we could outsource some of that work. You know, yeah, they already got the data. They're probably um, trafficking. Too. Send it to Cambridge Analytica. I hear those guys are good at it. <laughs> they got the contract. SCL Group. Yeah, I I think a lot of it's going to be machine learning and things like this. And I I think the real issue here yeah. is that it, it's going to be like. Uh, remember when when people would would uh, like sell something, but then they'd be like, "Oh, it's just a donation." Like that that uh, guy who was selling marijuana in DC, right? He had this giant like food truck, and you made a donation at one end of the truck, and then you picked up your your free weed at the other end, you know. And the two were totally unrelated, right? Um, I think there's going to be a lot of that sort of stuff. It was like you know, or it's going to be all code words and driven underground. If only there was a virtual currency that they could have exchanged. <laughs> you know what this means? The, the, like we should just open up an escrow service. Mm -hmm. that we have no idea. It just has smart contracts on either side. And, you know, you could be selling drugs or small children and we just wouldn't know. And we can't prove that you were doing any of those bad things. We're just making, I love how everyone goes silent. idea. <laughs> Stefan's good at making like awkward <laughs> silence. That's kind of his 
that should man it's too bad linkedin took away those custom skill sets that would be yours here's your, here's your startup idea Stefan. Uh, a communications escrow service so that the two parties don't know who each other are <laughs> you, provide the, you provide the escrow and it's on the blockchain Dude, you got VC. I could get you VC tonight. <laughs> That's actually how Ken and I met. Um, it was really awkward. <laughs> it was very awkward. <laughs> he was not exactly what I was expecting. But, you know, we went through, so it was fine. <laughs> uh, I'm not seeing any response, by the way, from any of the... I mean, like, maybe my Google Foo is off, but uh, I'm not seeing anything from Reddit or craigslist and i'm not like again not trying to pick on any of these websites it just happened to be the first ones that seem to be dealing with it so preemptively. Under new management or something like that come again wasn't reddit under new management or something condi nas bought them a couple of years ago yeah so but i think they're done from the days of being the plucky young internet rebels yeah hey ken i actually posted the uh the uh, Craigslist response in in our chat, not in. Oh, the- okay. Let me. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Um, Ken's falling down on hosting duties. Gosh, Ken. I know. The interesting thing is that Craig- Craigslist actually shut down their personal section, so it's not like they just shut down like casual or like you know some whatever uh, you know like obviously there are various services that they have there. They they shut down all personals so that there can be no mistaking that someone was requesting sexual services from them. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you know, given their, their business approach, it, it, it's not all that surprising realistically. Right. Uh, but again, well, they're not the crappy internet, you know, provider that they seem to be from their like interface. It's, it's a full on business now and that's what they're trying to protect. So I'm not trying to be rude, but what else is Craigslist for except for like shitty furniture and like <laughs> and shady services, right? I mean, <laughs> hey, they want to protect protect their revenue stream, like <laughs> does. I just, I just remember when I lived in Portland, I used to in my commute to work, I used to listen to the Adam Carolla morning show, and he had a a daily bit where he would call people on Craigslist to just buy these weird things, and it would be anything. It would be like three clothes hangers. You would just talk to me and be like, so what, why are you selling three clothes hangers? <laughs> just to see if you can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the, the statement though, there Stefan is just like, we don't want to lose our, our site. So from Craigla- Craigslist, we don't want to lose uh we don't want to. And I, and you like, and how much of that is like actually, valid like valid concern and how much of that is just saying like see what the government fucking did again you know they see how much they're ruining again you know i don't i don't know like so i mean are they trying to force the issue that somebody actually sues to you know make changes or yeah basically say any tool or service can be misused we can't take such risk without jeopardizing all our other services so we are regretfully taking craigslist personals offline Stefan, do you have to pay money to put up a Craigslist personal? 
I have no idea. <laughs> Why are you asking? <laughs> Ken I knows. Do, I, I do all of my weird, uh, weird fairy posting elsewhere, David. There's other sites for that sort of stuff. God, I'm just wondering because if it was a, if it was a significant <laughs> part of their revenue, I'm sure they would put up a lot more fight, right? Yeah. What is their revenue? Like, it's only in certain markets that you actually pay for Craigslist postings, right? No idea. Like, I think it's New York City. You you pay for it, and like Northern New Jersey, you pay for. I, I obviously am only familiar with posting in my area, but maybe it's a quantity thing. Like, so if you're a car dealer and you post all your car ads on there, then you have to get a corporate account or something. I don't know. <laughs> There's a terrible joke to be made there about trafficking in volume, but I mean seriously, it 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 is weird. Uh, it's a strange, <laughs> it's a strange direction to to see things turn, especially when they remove safe harbor provisions. It's it just, it's basically making it unsafe for those people who are trying to work in those areas and just driving stuff underground. I mean, yeah. Well, I not, mean, that's just it. They're going to get recommendations to move to Signal, to move to other services, to move to, to tour. And sure. yeah, that, 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 that'll be it. Right. Um, yeah. Sure, yeah. That goes back to what Stefan said about it being, or Stefan or David, I don't know, I can't remember which one of you said it, but I think it was Stefan who said, you know, it being these bills being like 20 years to, I mean, not literally, but, you know, they're, they're being behind the times, essentially. Yeah, oh, of course. He, I know we both have shitty beards, but, you know. It's all about mm. the series of tubes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's but unfortunate. I mean, it's, it's really just going to drive it to, I mean, it's good on the one hand because it's like another cypherpunk sort of area where we'll see we'll probably see lots of services developing and it'll be a new and exciting area to have cj dns and all these sorts of anonymizing technologies coming up again it'll be really interesting to see um unfortunately it's done under something such as sex work and it's it's done under you know guns and it's done under things that are like it's not done for people's general privacy it's done for making sure that people can make money under the table because that's their livelihood. Yeah. It's unfortunate. So. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, uh, I'm reading it. <laughs> I can't even say this name without laughing. Um, God, I wish I was more mature. I'm reading this link from cuddle comfort, a <laughs> site for cuddles. Um, <laughs> that's the most straight faced way I can say it. Uh, I mean, it's unfortunately that's the thing. People sell cuddles and they sell all sorts of weird, kinky shit. And you know, like uh, it's a market. And unfortunately, you're just driving a market that people are willing to pay for underground. So that's people, a that's what I requested my annual bonus be paid in. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to get Corsi enough cuddle comfort cards for that to work? <laughs> It was so difficult. As his manager, it took me a really long time to get that going. <laughs> oh, now I'm getting you for Christmas. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait till you open them for Mrs. Corsi. <laughs> you know, I mean, oh man. So All was, jokes aside, it's like, you know, I mean, it, it, so I was looking at taking away more. Sorry, go ahead. I was looking at Twitter yesterday, and um, Alex Stamos, the CISO, CSO of Facebook, 
um, questionably, who, you know, respect him for the position he's in. You know, I don't have a problem with him personally or anything like that. I know he's a, a controversial figure on Twitter, but he said something about how people are starting to revolt against big tech. And in the similar vein of this type of thing with what FOSTA will do to privacy on the internet, people are not revolting against the technology or the big technology companies. They welcome this stuff into their lives and into their homes with open arms because of the conveniences that they provide. They revolt and they hate the jerks that will do anything and steal anything and screw over their own users to get five cents more on their share price. And where this dovetails with the FOSTA thing is both of these together are hopefully going to drive a more private internet for all of us in the next 10 years. Um, just through the fact that we absolutely need it because everything in our houses, everything that has power running to it now has some form of monitoring on our daily activities. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's funny you're, you're saying that because at the same time that I, I don't disagree. And at the same time, it's ironic, like you're saying that, you know, while we're advocating for this and that we're, you know, we can talk to Alexa and, you know, it's okay to have Google, you know, Google's little toys inside your house, listening to your conversations, controlling your security cameras. And I mean, how many, how many security, uh, speaking of how many security, dif different security, home security technologies that we've seen that have been super insecure. Same goes with baby monitoring. Same goes with pretty much anything to make your life more convenient. We're willing to accept that openly. And, you know, most people are completely unaware of the security risk. And then, but you know, it's, it's, con there's a concern there. Like maybe it's a thing of when it's known, like when it's, you know, um, Oh God, this reminds me of the, uh, now I got to find the link for the, when, uh, John, uh, was it John Oliver who did the Edward Snowden, uh, interview? Yeah. Went yeah. to Moscow and yep. he interviewed people on the street about their, their privacy. Oh, I got to find this interview. Ooh, okay. Basically, um, <laughs> the only thing people basically didn't care about, uh, most things that, you know, he was like, if I remember correctly, it was like, Oh, does this worry you? you know, when it came to technology and privacy, you know, this is where you just worry you. Well, what if someone, uh, got your, the one thing everybody was upset about was if someone could get a naked picture of them that struck a chord with everyone. Everything else, like, just was like, oh, whatever. I don't understand technology. Oh, it probably doesn't affect me. It's probably not a big deal. And really, that's the that's 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 when people started to care. Is when you know there was potentially a naked picture of them that could be could be taken off their computer or their their mobile device. So total apathy until something like that came into the picture. Well, more funny though. I mean, it is sad, but it's it's funny and it hits home on a on a good point. It, it's one of those things that it's always hard to relay to people what privacy actually costs them, you know? Um, I used to have this conversation when I worked at Wicker because people would be like, well, why do you work at this like startup that has all these claims of being military grade encryption? Like, I don't need that. I don't really care about that sort of thing. I don't need this level of, of, of privacy or security. And, you know, people people don't care about it or don't think about it until you you put it in terms of like, well, can I stand outside your window and and watch everything you do? It's like, no, I, that would be 
really creepy and strange. And it's like, well, you're inviting this technology into your house that literally does the equivalent of that all the time. But now it's also being processed and used for other things, whatever that may be. You know, you don't even have control over those sorts of things because you don't even know what you're opting into. You're opting into full collection and then they decide what there's no consent from the user beyond yes or no. And it's it's not granular enough for for them to actually consent to anything. So, yeah, it's and, a mess. And I did want to. Hey, uh, Seth, are you do you know Evelyn? No, I was just Googling that project that uh, that they were talking about that Sovereign on GitHub. Yeah, so it's it's an identity project. Um, interesting. Yeah, and I'm not sure how it, it's going to solve that. I mean, maybe that's one thing that we could, you know, if they're up for coming on and talking about it, it'd be interesting to talk about how they are using. I mean, it's got blockchain in there, so it must be good, right? They've got a Slack community going. Uh, I believe it was Evelyn Evergreen oh, who posted yeah. that link. Self-sovereign identity. Global utility for self-sovereign. I mean, I mean, that's just it, right? Most of this information we don't necessarily have control over. We don't have the ability to control it. So, I mean, it could be interesting to talk through how their what their approach is as opposed to um, everything out that, else that's out there. I mean, mo- how many how many people use Facebook for identity nowadays, right? And how easy is it to actually go spoof one of those accounts? Super hard, right? You know, how many times do you see somebody that 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 sends you a, you know, a Facebook message saying, Hey, don't trust this other person that's friending all my friends, even though it's not me or whatever it is. Right. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's Stefan with his bot network, but you know, it could be somebody else. Me never, never, never. I'm an angel. Look at the, look at the link I just dropped in the Slack channel. Um, I saw that on, on Twitter the other day when you see the, the infrastructure behind the the ad networks and the monitoring with the social media oh, networks, it's disgusting. Like I didn't used to be one of the weird privacy guys where everything I was like, hey, my privacy. <laughs> <laughs> but you see this stuff, and the more comes out, and you just, it's just like, how can you not? Yeah, what's, what's wrong with being a weird privacy guy, Corsi? Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean, that was my constant struggle when I worked in government, right? Was that like we constantly have all of these things that we can implement in terms of monitoring employees or monitoring, you know, uh, transactions that are flowing through the network. But it's also like we obviously want people to not feel like they're they're working in or or all of their money is flowing through or whatever a panopticon, right? Like it's. It's a rough balance. I don't know what that word means, but that sounds that sounds right. <laughs> a panopticon? Panopticon. Is that the transformer, the Autobots leader? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> you should read some Foucault. I think you'd love it. What'd you call me? <laughs> I called you a Foucault. <laughs> Come at me, bro. <laughs> panopticon. I'm reading about what that is now. Like everything that you say and write, I Google it. So this is interesting. Yeah, it was a concept for a perfect prison, right? Where where prisoners never had the the actual illusion of of being of having privacy, and then Foucault takes that successively successively through uh, discipline and punishment, I think, 
um, to to greater heights of like what society would look like, what you know work functions would look like under these sorts of conditions. So, it you know what I take that back. The name I have 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 heard about this before. So is it like a design where someone's in the middle and like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, they have a three sixty. Yeah, I've heard, but I didn't hear about the philosophical twist on it. That's one of the options on cuddle comforts. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, you know what? The, the problem is, is that this is this is funny to us, but the, this is a service that's solving real issues for, for people, right? Sure. Like, yeah, I mean, we can joke, but there are people, real people, who their lives are going to be hurt by this. Yeah. You know, I mean, the way I was raised, like, if you smoke weed, if you're a sex worker, I don't care. It doesn't affect me, right? Like, I'm, you know, I just wasn't raised as a Puritan where... I need to get all up in arms and ruin other people's lives that are 2,500 miles away because they want to make 50 bucks an hour. Like, and, and also, I don't think we should be actively putting in laws to, to actually harm these sorts of folks, right? Like, sure. I mean, you know, sex work in most of the country is illegal, and we have laws to do something about that. And I think that the FOSTA and SESTA are – um, disproportionately going to hurt the people that they're advertising that they're helping. Yeah. Well, what's the saying? What's the saying? You know, um, with with freedom, come. You know, you can't have freedom and safety. You can have um, one or the other. Yeah. You can. You can. Instead of safety, we should be looking at harm reduction, right? And, and there's no safety. There's no such thing as safety. But you can reduce harm, right? We can make, but they're never going to have a completely safe sex working operation. But you can, you can totally have or reduce the harm therein. And we're just, we're not doing that with this sort of bill. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, maybe we can rely on President Trump to uh... that to veto it. Uh, something that, something tells me that's not going to happen. So, like, um. I, I do have a pretty hard stop tonight, guys. But before I drop off, I mean, you're, you guys are more than welcome to keep chatting with Ken. But before I drop off, I just wanted to, you know, get your uh, get your most recent experiences, like on the since we are like appsec focused, right? <laughs> um, like, uh, give me a couple things that you've been working on interesting wise in the AppSec space, right? I, I know, go, you know Go is specific to Dave, right? Um, like if there's anything that you've come across in the last little while that you could point somebody towards. Um, I'm not sure if there's anything that is worthy of pointing people towards it. One of the things I've been working on that's not ready yet um, if you know Micah Hoffman, web breacher, um, he's he just started an OSINT class for SANS. Um, okay. So he's got a week-long OSINT class, and he has a bunch of Python scripts to do OSINT stuff. So I've been helping him turn one of them into a, a website where you just go and you can put in a keyword that would be a username, so like just dcoursey, and it will search 150 sites for the presence of that string as a user. Interesting. Um, so that's kind of a neat project I've been working on. You know, and like I mentioned, I'm trying to get better with Frida. 
Um, it's so out of my realm of expertise that it, I'm kind of slow with it still, but um, super interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's some pretty powerful stuff with Frida and how it gives you access into the what the Dalvik engine, right? Or the, what do they call it on Android? Uh, you know, <laughs> the running wow. code, you know, actually being able to make yeah. changes on the fly. Yeah, binary hooking and everything. There you go. Yeah, the binary hooking stuff that we've done. Binary instrumentation. And it's all in JavaScript. Yay! Yay! So it's really easy to use JavaScript. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah, check out Frida if you haven't before. If you're doing Android stuff, that's awesome. What about you, Stefan? What do you have? I mean, I'm always working on Carmel and compiler stuff and, and things like that. Um, I've been looking wait, more. Wait, let me break out Google really quick. All right, go. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to break out Google really quick. Okay, now you go. But uh, the the thing that's caught my eye this week is actually a project called Taipan. Um, I, I'll post it in our chat here. Uh, it is a uh, web application security scanner um, written for .NET Core. But what's mm. interesting to me is that it's actually written in F sharp, not in C sharp. Hmm. So it's all written in OCaml. There's a lot of really interesting stuff. The project is actually relatively mature. So it has a really nice dashboard. Um, has nice plugins. The the code is actually not horrible to look at, unlike most infosec code. Um, it's actually well written and it, it looks really approachable to to dive into it. I know OCaml and F sharp are going to be weird for most folks, but it, it looks like an interesting project and I, I'm tracking that pretty nicely. So yeah, drop that in there. I mean I've had a couple .NET core apps come my way recently that I'd be interested in sending it after, right? I mean, the discussion had been whether or not we wanted to go and, you know, use PumaScan, like the Roslyn engine, to actually look for vulnerabilities. But uh, if there's something else that's out there, it's called Taipan, you say? Uh, Taipan. I actually dropped it in the uh, the Hangout chat. Oh, awesome. Okay. So, Ken, you want to post that on the YouTube link as well? I did. Taipan, I, I did post that. Oh, okay. Taipan. I'm actually trying to see if there's anything else I didn't post. Yeah, that looks super interesting. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go play with that. Now I have more to do. Thanks. Yeah. Every time I talk to you, Stefan, and you, Corsi. <laughs> like, oh, my list just got that much longer. Great. <laughs> the ever-growing list. Yep. Yep. I'm trying to shrink mine <laughs> by Good ruthlessly luck. not caring about things anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you not caring? Hmm. Whatever. If if we just mention F sharp or you know, right? One of your trigger words, it'll get long. <laughs> oh, just put a bunch of, a bunch of parentheses on a line somewhere, and <laughs> <laughs> Steph will stroke out. Wait a minute, this is unbalanced. I have to fix this. Okay. Uh, gosh. All right. Well, if you guys, if you guys, if you want to keep going, Ken, you know, feel free. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop off. But I've got family stuff I got to take care of tonight. So, but yeah, thanks for coming on. You know, Thank uh, you. yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah. I mean, have a good one, Seth. Yep. Thanks, thanks sir. Yep. Thanks. All right. We are, I mean, yeah, I, I've got a little bit more time. I've been, well, I've got all the, I've got time. So, um, uh, what I was going to, so you actually, this, this comes back to like, so speaking of recent, uh, topics, something, something you guys said, uh, uh, Alex Stamos, that whole situation, that was crazy, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, is it really crazy though? Like when you're, 
when you're a mildly high level employee at a multi-billion dollar company, like I'm surprised that he was not summarily executed. Um, for what? For, for the audacity to say anything that went against the board of directors of Facebook, right? Like they obviously have motives and their motive as a publicly traded company is money. Right. And yeah. When one of their when one of their high level employees says something that could even remotely damage their money. Right. Like. So and let's back up for those who may. I just realized there may there some folks maybe maybe hadn't followed this on Twitter. Um, I'm gonna to the best of my memory and also with a limited you know social circle. It's not like he and I are running in the same social circle. So I have no idea like any insight, but here's what I do know. I know that, uh, Oh, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he's staying till August, but had initially what's that. Yeah. Okay. So we know he's staying till August when David had said that he wasn't, it was surprising. He just wasn't like, let go effectively. He publicly, um, disagreed with the uh, CEO and COO uh, of Facebook. And the reason I believe that he stated was that he wanted them to focus more on um, the voter, well, like the skew, the, the basic uh, propaganda machine that ran to uh, during the elections, right. things like that that are fairly serious. He wanted the company to tackle that. Now, from what I understand, some people were saying that he was relegated to a small team now. So he doesn't, he's not in charge of like a huge team anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He went from 150 to three. <sighs> That's a huge difference. Well, and then, and then the thing that, the thing that I don't understand is that the disagreement was that he would be, you know, he felt like they needed to put more work into that, but then like, well, I guess I do understand it. So he's saying that he is doing that work now until August with his three-person team. So clearly it's like, I feel like it's it's like Big Head in Silicon Valley sitting on the roof drinking Slurpees. I mean, what <laughs> what are you tackling with three? I mean, that's basically how I imagine that going down. So I don't know much. These are just the, the things that, um, uh, you know, I think we're all kind of seen publicly. Uh, some people, now I'm going to give you two different perspectives here. Perspectives here. Um, some people applauded it, right? And they were very public and applauding his, you know, standing up. Others, on the other hand, had said, and I want to be very clear, this is not my opinion. I don't know enough to have, again, like when I don't have en- enough information, I don't have an opinion, but uh, others had said this was a cop out. Yeah. Um, it was blame shifting. It was trying to get ahead of a story, you uh-huh. know, and trying to basically say, well, I tried to do the right thing. They don't want to do it. And in reality, the, the blame sat with everybody and this was a way to push away. And so again, that's just, those are the two sides. Some say it's awesome move. Some people say you're just trying to get ahead of being a scapegoat or not a scapegoat. Sorry ahead of being a part of the, like the triad of blame or whatever. Well, honestly, it's probably some of both. Right. I mean, <clears throat> you think that Facebook's crisis management team or whatever their public relationship team is called, uh, didn't have this whole angle spun 
for him to be able to leave at a time of like, it looks really bad. We need to, you know, I want to leave. Um, okay, like, that's great. We'll, we'll have this like whole board issue where you disagree publicly with the board. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, I'm in the camp that it was a pretty cynical, pretty calculated move to leave at a time that was, you know, advantageous for him. Um, you know, I, I have little to no sympathy for large corporations that use you as a product and then are so shocked and it's so damning when uh, like and so surprising when uh, like, you know, all of this bad stuff is going down. Like Facebook doesn't need to collect all the stuff that it does. They they create shadow profiles because they can. That's how they make their money. So to to act like it's so surprising and clutch your pearls when when bad shit goes down, it just, it really seems, yeah. uh, it seems disingenuous to me. The tale is as old as time. They're not sorry they did no. it. Sorry they got caught. I'm sure he's crying into hundred dollar bills overnight, like, you know, with all of his Facebook yeah. shares. You know? Well, and I guess the, so, so the people that support that kind of, um, you know, again, like just trying to uh, get ahead of it versus, um, yeah, it, versus it being a true moral stance pointed to the fact that the sim- the situation was very or it felt very similar to when he left Yahoo in mm-hmm. I believe 2015 I mean yep. that you're wrong so <clears throat> I don't again without more information I don't know that I can form an opinion but what I can say is that uh yeah there's no way that I agree that there's no way that everybody at the top has doesn't know about this isn't concerned about it, isn't already talking to politicians and lobbyists. And I mean, I, there's a whole wave of things going on like way before we ever heard about him leaving. And so um, it's, he certainly knew that there was that this kind of stuff was on the horizon for sure. I think we can all agree to that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. You know, I don't want to make any claims that I know what goes on behind their closed doors, but big companies, are pretty similar across the board and any company really is people talk and you know stuff gets out that's not supposed to and it's just i don't i don't think that any one employee at his level would know all of the evil stuff that goes on behind the scenes and so i could see how he could get into a a position where he's being told that they're working on all these privacy and and fake news types of things and you know trying to get better about the russian bots and all that stuff and then it just gets worse so i could i could see that happening but yeah, i could also, certainly yeah it i could, could also see like, it the other way as well yeah it could be and we're speculating that's the point is we're speculating but you're you're right it could be the other way where it's like uh you're saying these things. I see what resources are being pulled into it. It's not enough. I see that what it really is. Uh, and it's not sitting right with me. So it really could be, you know, and fucking Twitter is not the place to get your opinions from. No. Safe to say, right. Like, you know, How all dare that, you. All being said, burn the witch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Twitter's definitely not the place I go for critical thinking. Right. It's, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's a good outrage machine and um, yeah. it's monkey. Which, right? ooh, speaking of all of this crazy, uh, you know, conspiracy theory stuff. Do, do either of you watch Homeland at all? No. Okay. I don't watch telly as you know. All oh, right. You read books. Right. I right. I read. Right, right. 
I read and shit. <laughs> Weirdo. No. Uh... <laughs> I do, but I haven't watched Homeland. It just never kind of made it to the top of my list. I'm more like the trashy sci-fi and comedy. Ready Player One. <laughs> <laughs> well, on their last episode, they had this interesting. The only reason I bring it up is because on the, their last episode, it was pretty funny because it's a, it's a topical. Hey, like they're trying to cover topical stuff, and it was just funny because they they show this whole like uh, map of effectively a campaign, an information war campaign, propaganda machine coming out of surprise, surprise, Eastern Europe, uh, and they hey. they showed like yeah. <laughs> Don't mean to offend you and your books and Eastern Eastern company Europe. accepted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, so it was just interesting because they show all these nodes and they like use some algorithm, you know, of course, like algorithms and they had a pew pew map, pew pew and <laughs> blockchain and yeah, machine learning. So they, they use, of course, blockchain machine learning AI to, yeah, to um, build a list of nodes and show like the different, War information warfare campaigns and i just thought it was funny because it was like so with this whole thing and and last few months actually what i mean last six months last half year it's just kind of funny how it's all becoming more mainstream and m more known to the public and more of a a topic and sadly showtime showtime's homeland's probably how most people are first hearing about this so but I mean, Corsi, I know you you have a similar experience and similar background in these sorts of like, um, you know, threat hunting and, and these sorts of like incident response and campaigns and APTs and all this sort of stuff. And it it's just, it's really funny when you see these vendors or shows or, or these sorts of handling of them, um, you know, how they're, there's all these like machine learning and all these, all these different crazy algorithms. And, and usually it's just like some person going through logs and like, holy crap, it's there. <laughs> and that's it. And like, yeah. like they'll have IOCs or they'll have hunt activities or they'll have whatever and they will operationalize it afterwards. But the initial hunting itself or the initial like IR activities are, are pretty much manual. Like, you know, if you don't have a baseline, what are you actually going to use to train your neural network, right? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't come out of like ex nihilo. It, it comes from something. So, I love how Ken is just like, I don't know what that word means, but I'm not actually going to ask you what that means. But Oh, I'll tell you if I know what a word means. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I can't find it now. Maybe I can go back through. Um, but I just, I saw a, a, a comic on Twitter that was like all the VC terminology translated, you know, and it was like, it was like machine learning, large spreadsheet, you know, <laughs> yeah. big data database. <laughs> well there's there's one from a while ago that's like uh 231 nested if blocks is totally is totally a machine learning algorithm like <laughs> like it's just you can't determine how it goes through there man like no one can figure that out it's just a bunch of really nested if blocks um, yeah it's done well, that's basically how it uh sorry i'm trying to keep up with now Seth's left, so now I'm I'm doing the whole live chat, chat and email and everything, checking everything to make sure that we're answering any questions. We really, haven't really had too many questions tonight. Um, 
yeah, I don't, I don't think we've had too many questions. Anything you guys want to chat about before we, before we hop offline? I think we've, we've gone over, I've, I don't really care, but you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you guys have stuff to do. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been, you, I know Stefan, you know, you, you said you were before we started, you said you were up early. So yeah, I, I got up at uh, 0300. I've been working all day. So yeah, man, what's that's... a 15 hour day amongst friends? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, uh, you've got, you've always had that kind of weird offset schedule where you get up super early in the morning, but, but I see the, the point behind it because it's really useful to get stuff done before, uh, everybody's awake. So. Yep. Before course he's asking me to do stuff and, <laughs> and before he's asking for some cuddle comforts <laughs> inappropriate, David. Yeah. That's my middle name. <laughs> That's why we use Wicker with like disappearing messages to send all of our cuddle comfort requests to each other. <laughs> I need you to put in a CCR. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, good lord! Oh, all right. <laughs> on all on right. that note, <laughs> yeah, on that note, well, um, as, as it goes downhill. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I appreciate you guys ha coming on, of course. Um, love to have you all on again, of course, because you guys are uh, a couple uh, regulars. We'd like to keep regulars. Um, you We're know, the fiber I, of, the app, of, the, <laughs> of the podcast. You're the, the, the you, you weave the tapestry. Um, <laughs> that, that wasn't the, the type of fiber I meant. But. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> What else can I say? So, uh, yeah, we'll definitely do this again. Of course, um, we still haven't gotten to a whole lot of programming, uh, language theory. I know we've talked about wanting to, uh, delve into that. There's just, it's always like interesting. It's very easy to, to, to eat up an hour. Um, so we've had some pretty interesting conversations. Um, nobody has any other questions, anything you guys want to point out before we go, anything you've got going on and you want to promote anything you want to talk about. No, I think I, I do think though, if you want to do like a PLT or programming language, um, you know, like podcast once, um, Corsi and I can probably work out something ahead of time and, and like put together some cool stuff that we're seeing in Go or in Scala or in F sharp, you know, any of those sorts of things. I mean, obviously I can show the PLT work I do on the side. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of directions we can take that one. And I can back him up with interpretive dance because that's. <laughs> I don't do PLC. Well, I mean, I know you have enough. You both have a, downplay it all you want. You both have enough experience to have some pretty decent opinions uh, on on various languages. So well, I got the input super valuable. I got it. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have anything to promote. When I finish that website with WebReacher, I'll uh, I'll show that to you so you can get that out. Awesome. I think Micah used to live in this, this area being Northern Virginia where I live. He is. Yeah. Oh, he still lives there. Yeah. Okay. I'd seen him at Nova, Nova hacker meetups. Um, yeah. yeah the Nova aha or no Nova ha or however it said. Uh, yeah. Meetups. So anyways, cool guys. Always a pleasure. Oh, and uh, again, I did want to point out for those listeners that next week will be Justin Collins, and we have some we have uh, a, 
I mean, we've got a, a, a lineup here. I'm trying to uh, pull it up right now. I've uh, got uh, at iteration one's going to be joining us. Um, Evan Cody's going to be back on. Um, and we have Charles from, oh, give me one sec here. Uh, Charles. Uh, Charles from Stitch Fix. So, oh, yeah. So I am, uh, I don't, I'm not saying his last name because I don't want to butcher it. Um, but uh, yeah, he's going to be joining us. Um, so we've, yeah, we've got a decent lineup coming. People from throughout the industry that were, uh, that are now starting to actually say yes to come on with the, uh, you know, us loons. So cool. Well, thanks everyone. Thank you, Stefan. Thank you, David. Uh, I'm going to shut the podcast down, but David and Stefan don't hop off just yet. Uh, all right, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.